This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The TalkSport Fan Network is probably supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome again to Cottage Talk. I am Russ Goldman. Joining me right now is Dan Crawford from HamiN.com. This is our match reaction from Fulham's 2-2 draw against Arsenal at the Emirates. Dan was there. He probably has lost some of his voice, but he's going to do his best to share his thoughts on what he watched at the Emirates today. Dan, it's funny because before this match, I gave my five keys to victory. They didn't win the match, but actually some of these keys came through with a draw. I'll take the draw at the Emirates any day of the week, honestly. But what are your opening thoughts from what you watched at the Emirates? Well, my opening thoughts, Russ, are actually that my uh, my voice might be holding up better than yours. Um, <laughs> Maybe. Seems like, seems like there might have been some shouting in the Goldman household this morning, no? Possibly. No, surely not. Um, I, I, I think I worried, if I'm honest with you, that we'd scored too early. Because they're thinking the same thing. It was impossible because I remember the game last year at Arsenal where um, the man we shall not name scored a <laughs> scored a goal, and that was yes. sort of early in the second half. And we were quite fatalistic about it, and we thought that was a bit early. Um, but I, I ended up watching the second half mostly from uh, from the concourse because I was too nervous. Um, and uh, once we'd scored well, with me on the concourse, I felt like I couldn't go back into the ground, especially when the penalty was given. Right. Um, but when Calvert Bassey got... I mean, there's so much to... Oh, it's, a great, it's a great point. It's a fantastic point because it looked for so long like we, get, we might get more than a point, unbelievably. And then when the red card came, you just thought, well... I mean, that kind of sums up our season so far. We've had a penalty against us. This time, it certainly was a penalty. Right. Uh, no, Absolutely. No, no doubt about that. Stonewall, we call it in this country. Um, but the red card, well, the, the second yellow card is definitely a yellow card. The first, first one, Marco has already said, I've only read his comments rather than hearing them. But the first yellow card 
is is laughable. Um, and we can't have a a normal sort of quite easy afternoon following Fulham. They have to um, excite us and and frustrate us and thrill us and infuriate us in equal measure. And that if there was anyone who could pop up with a moment like that, it had to be Jao Perlinia, didn't it? <laughs> Absolutely, Dan. And we'll be talking, I'm sure, a lot about Paulinia, not just about him, because there were some very good performances from the club throughout the match. And we'll talk about that as we go through your reaction to what you watched and what I watched. And I'll just share my thoughts pretty quickly on this is that it's funny because um, if you uh, read or listen to what is over here, it's all from an Arsenal perspective on how this match went down 2-2. Well, that's great. And you and I are going to look at this from a Fulham perspective. And uh, I just have to say, I had a feeling, Dan, that there would be a reaction from that Brentford match. And that's exactly what we saw. And that's ultimately what I wanted to see. Anything else was a bonus. Did I want them to win the match? Of course, Dan. Did I want them to get a point? Yes. But for me, it was about the performance and a reaction. We got all that. Everything else that happened was just fantastic, except for there's a lot to talk about, as you mentioned. And I was thinking the same exact thing, Dan. You score in the first minute. I remember there was a match at Chelsea at Stanford Bridge when Fulham scored very early on. And I'm thinking, oh, no, too early. And this is a similar situation, except the results are different here. If I remember correctly, I, I'm sure you remember that match. Dalton, Dalton Guerra scored in the very with a bicycle kick. That's this right. In, in See? 2000, late 2009. That's right. And, um, John Pantsel got injured, and I think Drogba equalised, and then Chris Smalling scored an own goal. Yeah. yeah. And I genuinely, and, and there was quite a lot of unpleasantness after that game. There's quite a lot of crowd violence, and I got caught up in some. Oh, of it. sorry um, to hear that. Well, it wasn't your fault, unless you, <laughs> if you, unless you threw the punches from five thousand miles away. No, no, exactly. But yeah, that that's the parallel. Um, but let, let's get straight into it. I mean, it was a similar goal to how Brentford scored, um, but. I did enjoy the goal, and I'll tell you for why. Go ahead, Dan. There was a certain Brent, former Brentford goalkeeper on the bench, <laughs> and I wondered if Aaron Ramsdale was sort of paying tribute <laughs> to David Raya um, with his positioning. Similar but, situation. Um, the commentator on the uh, British uh, Sky Sports feed said it was a lucky finish. Yes, that, same thing in here. Same thing I'm, here, Dan. I'm not sure who the co-commentator was. It sounded like Lee Hendry, um, but it could have been uh, Andy Hinchcliffe. I, I don't know. Perhaps your um, viewers will be able to, to help me out. Um, there's nothing lucky about that finish. He gives the goalkeeper the eyes, and you know who I'm sure Joe Bryan will be messaging Andreas at some point, <laughs> saying, oh... You, you beat a goalkeeper from 35, 40 yards. It's a magnificent goal, magnificent bit of opportunism. And hey, you know, the way Arsenal go through goalkeepers, they might regret letting Bernd Leno go for, for such little money because he wouldn't have done that. No, no, he wouldn't have. And it's funny because I actually thought about that, that there were some parallels here, like you said. And uh, 
there was nothing lucky about that, Dan. I, I've heard over here that he didn't mean to do it. It was supposed to be a chip. I'm like, no, he intended to do that. I don't buy any of this. It's trying to marginalize the goal from Fulham instead of looking at it, what it was. A mistake. Fulham capitalized. I said this in my keys to victory, Dan, that Fulham would need to do something like this. They would have to capitalize on mistakes, force them into errors, and they made an error, and Fulham capitalized. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing that we should be feeling bad about that. No, no, absolutely not. But when you say capitalize on errors, I actually think the team selection was really important. Okay, um, go ahead. Arsenal's team selection, having Partey playing right back, because Saka, Bukayo Saka, actually grew up a couple of streets from where I live. Um, uh, Bukayo, lo- lovely, lovely young man, although I wasn't rooting for him, either on his Arsenal, on his Premier League debut, when he came on in that 4-1 win for Arsenal, when was that? Four years ago? Um, and uh, today, I wasn't rooting for him as much as I normally do. Um but he expected that his right back or his centre back would be there. And he's played that ball blind. And now Thomas Partey playing a right back, he looks about as uncomfortable as Dan Byrne <laughs> playing right back. And, you know, that is, that's quite a statement. But I think Arteta was trying to mimic the sort of Guardiola We'll play with a back four. We'll invert our fullbacks, and they'll step into midfield. But it really helped us because yes. it wasn't just the goal from Andreas Pereira, as wonderful as it was. We'll get onto it. I'm sure there are a couple of we, we had three or four really good chances in the first half. Absolutely, Dan. In fact, I want to go to one right now. I want to talk about Raul Jimenez's opportunity in the 22nd minute. Okay, this was not far off to being 2-0, Dan. And this is a wonderful opportunity. And here's a player that I am rooting for beyond belief. I want him to do well for Fulham. This was not far from being 2-0, Dan. Your thoughts on the opportunity in the 22nd minute from Raul Jimenez. Now, you're going to have to remote, you're going to have to be clear about this. Is this the, the shot where he curls it just wide off his right? Or is this the reverse Rabona bicycle kick? This is the bicycle kick. This, I still don't know. I, you're, you're speaking to someone who can't get his legs into that position, and people will know why. This is extraordinary. I, I, I didn't believe what I was witnessing, that it was possible to do that. And when he said it was a great opportunity, he made it all for himself. Right. And it wasn't just... It was the fact that it went so close. I mean, that was, what, a yard? If less than a yard, millimetres past the angle of... Um, uh, post and, uh, and crossbar Ramsdale was nowhere near it and everyone would just took a shot but did that really happen it, you know um, and it's an exceptional bit of uh, forward play and I'd just like to speak about Raul for, for a minute please I'm do Dan please I'm, do I'm very glad that Marco picks the team and not some of the people on Twitter or Facebook or you know people who over the course of the last three weeks of denigrated Raul Jimenez. You know, that, that, they can all sit down because Raul Jimenez was exceptional today in terms of leading the line. He may not have scored, but he gave Arsenal's centre-backs, um, Ben White and uh, Saliba, serious problems. He completely discombobulated the entirety of the central midfield 
because Declan Rice didn't know whether to go and pick him up when he dropped right. him or to leave him alone. And he, he needs a goal. All he needs is a goal. And he's come so close now. The one at Everton that we've spoken about where he makes that for himself. He had another shot where he curled it just wide. And I think that has to show what he's capable of doing. Okay. Um, and I'm glad that we're talking about this, Stan, because I want this player to succeed. And I've seen all of the talk on social media in regards to Raul Jimenez. And I've had people reach out to me and say, listen, he's not good enough. And I disagree. I don't think that he will ultimately be Mitro's successor. I think we're in agreement there. But he can help Fulham in many ways. And I think Fulham are going to bring in another striker. I truly believe that. But give the guy a chance to succeed, Dan. And I think he's going to prove Marco right for bringing him in. Well, I'll just I'll make this parallel. The last time we lost a, a number, a talismanic number nine, that he was called Louis Sahar. We brought in a bloke from Arlington Heights. <laughs> Genuinely, he's from Arlington Heights. I'm very sorry. Apologies, Brian and Dana. No, he is. Got that wrong. We brought in a bloke from Arlington Heights who scored a lot of goals for America. But people are like, why are we bringing in a 31-year-old who we've never heard of for less than a million pounds? And Brian McBride scored on his debut past Casey Keller, whom he played college football with and I think high school football with. And people thought, okay, maybe he's got something, right? Brian McBride might not have scored the goals, as many goals as people think, but he's 32 years old. Raul Jimenez, we signed him, and Raul Jimenez is about five months younger in the time frame. Let's just remember what happened to Raul Jimenez at the Emirates Stadium. So it takes remarkable courage for the man to walk out and play football again, especially at the Emirates Stadium. Um, and he is a world-class centre-forward in terms of what he's done for Mexico. I, I hate to uh, embarrass Brian and say that Raul Jimenez's international exploits match up to, to Brian McBride's, but they do. He, he's a serious international goal scorer. He's got 30 goals for Mexico. Only six people have got more in Mexican football history. And he's got technical ability. And I would just ask the Fulham fans, who are usually quite understanding, you know, who we put up with Scott Parker for far too long, um, <laughs> to show a little bit of patience with Raul Jimenez. And I don't think we need to ask them for any more because they'll have seen that performance today. And the people who weren't there today, when they've watched the full 90 minutes and seen match of the day and, and gone through it in detail, they'll recognise that that was a serious effort and he's a, he's a player. Absolutely, Dan. And the one thing that I will just add to what you said is that he worked his socks off throughout this match. Fulham obviously did not have the ball that much, but he was working so hard for Fulham Football Club and that deserves credit for what he did for the 90-plus minutes. So I want to give a big shout-out to Raul Jimenez because I think Fulham – I think he plays a role in this 2-2 draw, Dan. It might not show up in the score, but he worked his behind off, as we would say over here. So yeah, that we're ta talking about him. What was that? He works his butt off. That's he works his butt off. Him. There we go. Yep. He works his butt off. Thank you very much. Okay, Dan. So before we get to talk about, because I want to get your thoughts on what you were thinking about halftime, okay, at halftime. Before we do that, just – 
analyze what you watched in the first half because obviously if you just look at the stats, you're going to see a lot of possession for Arsenal. Opportunities, obviously many more for Arsenal. But the defensive performance by Fulham was fantastic. And as we've already talked about, they created opportunities. They were playing probably the exact way that Marco set them up to play, Dan. Your analysis overall of the first half. Yeah, I think we, we did very well. We obviously grew in confidence from the goal. I, I think we have to be honest. I think if, uh, rather like if Everton had Dominic Calvert-Lewin, if Arteta had picked Trossard, uh, picked Nketiah from the beginning instead of Trossard, we might have been behind at half-time. Right. Because, um, firstly, uh, God bless Kai Havertz. Um, he's another brilliant player that uh, Chelsea have ruined um, because they tried to make him into a centre-forward. Great bit of defending by Diop to make that a difficult chance, but he should have scored. Saka should have scored with that downward header, which is pretty yeah. much an open goal. And I think Leno makes a great save from two great saves from Martinelli. Um, so we do have to ride our luck a little bit. Right. The defensive effort was exceptional. Jimenez actually makes a wonderful block from Martinelli, and then he gets booked for a tackle on Saka. Um, we'll come to the, the 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 inability of the referee to show yellow cards to people who don't wear white shirts, I'm sure, <laughs> in a minute. Sure. Um, now, uh, but we had chances, but I do want to... The, 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 all of the defence were, were excellent. I want to highlight somebody in particular. Sasa Lukic had an exceptional game. I'm glad before. you're bringing him up. Go ahead, Dan. Right. Palina, obviously, you know, we all know about Jao, fantastic. But Sasha Lukic won the ball, recycled the ball. And because Palina was playing in that defensive role, we saw the very best of Sasha Lukic today. And he just, he's still not quite up to the physicality and intensity of the Premier League um, because we, he needed to be taken off probably before he got the yellow card, which was a deserved yellow card. Yep. We were just a little bit slow, I think, in making those changes but Lukic had a brilliant hour and we were dominating them we were going toe-to-toe -to -toe with Arsenal and they had three central midfielders and we played those two deeper and Pereira in the hole I, I would call that a 4-2-3-1 right. against classical 4-3-3 um, and we were fine um, we rode our luck at times but you're going to have to so I was pleased but uh, you're always worried 1-0 up that it only takes one moment or a couple of tactical switches and then you've got a problem. And that's exactly what happened in the second half. Right. And we're going to talk about that in just a second. But I'm, I want to just get your thoughts on what you were thinking at halftime, Dan. Because here we are, we're up 1-0. And what were you thinking? What did you want to see from the team and also from Marco as we were starting the second half? And when you're sitting there at halftime or just chatting, what were your thoughts? I was pacing at half time as well, up and down the concourse. People like to Alan and his family had to come and calm me down because it was like I'd given up smoking and I couldn't you know, <laughs> stand still or something. I, I wanted a second goal. I would, you know, I'd have given a substantial amount of. I don't have a substantial amount of money, but I'd have given a substantial amount of your money, Russ, to anybody for a second goal. Stephanie would not have been pleased. No, um, right. But we needed a second goal. That 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 that's what we needed because right. I could I didn't think Arsenal would be as 
poor in front of goal and they immediately as i was saying this they put uh Nketiah was coming on so i knew they were going to play seriously in the second half with an actual striker and that would always give you a problem you know someone who's going to major in the penalty area um but i think and Joao Pelina actually mentioned this in an interview with the BBC. He said that Marco had told them they needed to use the... They weren't going to have much of the ball, but they needed to keep it better and use it a little more intelligently to try and get... I, I think they had something like 20% of the possession right. at half-time, half something like that. There was only a brief flash on the screen, so we didn't... But I think they got to 29% by the end of the game, and that's remarkable with 10 men for most of the second half. No, so I wanted them. I wanted to see Traore early in the second half to try and stretch them in behind because we still had eleven players, and I thought Traore, and he nearly did right at the end. At the very I end, thought, yeah. I thought Traore wouldn't cause them a problem, but I might have made a couple of those changes quicker. Okay, very interesting. All right, let's talk about the second half. I want to start here. Let's talk about the situation with Calvin Bassey. I know you're shaking your head as we're talking. I'm watching this, right? And I'm thinking, how in the world is this a yellow card? And obviously, Marco Silva has been very upset about this whole situation, Dan. I want to get your thoughts watching this live. How is this a yellow card? Uh, I can't tell you what I said. Uh, it's a family program. Um, but I, I, I utilized some profanities in the direction of the referee. Um when, when I saw this unfold, because teams like to take short goal kicks. Ramsdale himself took an awful long time over goal kicks once Arsenal were level and never mind in front. Um, no, no, just, Marco said it was a joke. He, he genuinely said it was a joke of a yellow card. This is not serious. We cannot be doing with this. And all you want is for some consistency. And Marco actually, where, where's the quote? Let me get the quote. Because Marco, for someone who doesn't speak English, uh, the first language, he gets English idioms absolutely spot on. I'm just looking for the quote because it was in the written section of the broadcast. Sure. Let's have a look here. Uh, the first yellow for Calvin is a joke. I have to say that yellow card is a joke. Of course, we understand the new circumstances, but they are taking all the emotion from the game. For sure, if a player from Fulham or another club came here to the Emirates Stadium and takes 10 seconds to throw the ball in from a throw-in or kick the ball from a goal kick, it will be a yellow card. For the other clubs, it is not the same. If you see one of the first throw-ins for Partey on my side of the touchline, it took much more time than Calvin with the goal kick. It was not a yellow card. Why? Because they were losing the game. Now, I'm fairly certain that I think Marco is suspended now for the uh, for the... Tottenham League Cup tie okay. because he got a yellow card for something else. I'm fairly certain he's going to get a, a, a fine for this. these comments as well. I'm sure he will. But he's absolutely right. I mean, <laughs> let's not spend any more. It's just ridiculous. It is. Like, just a comparison of that being a yellow card and Arsenal didn't have any players booked at all in the match. No. No. It Again, all I ask from the officials, the ref, is just call it both ways, Dan. Call it even. If you're going to call it on Fulham, call it on Arsenal. And like you said, you don't get that in this match for whatever reason. One other thing I want to ask you is that I've seen some of this on social media from an Arsenal perspective, basically accusing Fulham of uh, faking injuries 
and possible time wasting. What are your thoughts on this? I've watched it. I don't see any of faking injuries, and I certainly don't see any more time wasting than I would normally see from any other club. Oh, we, look, 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 look. We were, you know, but we, we did take our time occasionally. And what they're referring to is what we'll come on to for the second goal, I yes. think, in respect of Calvin Bassey. It's about Calvin Bassey, to be honest with you. So, so we'll, we'll, we'll talk get... about that. We'll talk about because I'm very upset about that. Okay. So, okay. so was Marek Roda. So let's do the, the penalty. Let, let's... Let's, let's go there right now, Dan. Let's talk about the penalty and the goal from Arsenal. And this is a penalty. There's no ways around it. So your thoughts on what you watched here? Well, it's just a stupid tackle from Kenny Tate, and we can leave it there. I mean, there's the, why? I'll tell you what. Uh, um, uh, Arteta brought on Fabio Vieira, and I yes. think he changed. I think he changed the game. I'm amazed that Fabio Vieira doesn't play more regularly for Arsenal. He was very good. He's an exceptional talent, and they suddenly looked balanced in having a natural left-sided player out there because they invert Saka on the right side, but Vieira. He took on Kenny Tete, and I was screaming at him, don't dive in, don't dive in. And what did he do? He dived in. It's a penalty. Yep. You know, maybe if we were lucky and Mike Dean supported Fulham and had one of his mates refereeing the match, he would have told the referee to go to the screen and invented something to not give a penalty. But we're not that lucky. It is a penalty. It's a very well-taken penalty by Saka, who had to wait for a long time. And I feared the worst at that point. I really okay. did. Because there was 20 minutes plus added time to play. And that's a lot of time to, you know, withstand the onslaught, having got through 25 minutes at 1-0. Okay, very good, Dan. That's going to lead us to talk about the second goal. And what's very upsetting about this, and I watched this back a couple times, to see Calvin Bassey on the ground, obviously dealing with something, and play continues, and they score. So your thoughts of the second goal from Arsenal? Well, it's a very good goal from Arsenal. Let's just deal with what, you know, Vieira's down there again. He whips it in. And suddenly, because Bassi isn't there, the Ops having to try and deal with Nketiah, who makes that sort of near post goal darting run. Yeah, it's a great goal. And, and finishes it brilliantly. And that's what I mean by if Nketiah was doing that from minute one, I think we'd have had more of a problem. What was not immediately clear to me was why Calvin Bassey was lying on the ground. And it still isn't really clear to me because I've only seen one replay of what happens where he climbs with Saka and he ends up on the floor. Now, the referee doesn't stop the game. He's not obligated to stop the game because he's decided it's not a head injury. Okay? But how he knows it's not a head injury, I don't know, because he doesn't go over there and look at Bassey, and Bassey is lying by the byline, and he's therefore playing everybody on side. Okay? So it's not like he's just fallen that... Like, that automatically changes what happens in the penalty area. Now, under the, under the rules of English football, and under the... You know, this is very interesting that it happened for oh, it's an Arsenal goal because very famously in the FA Cup in like 1997 or eight at Highbury, I want to say Arsenal had a striker called Kanu, Nigerian striker, very famous, and his first game was against Sheffield United in the FA Cup, 
And it was at that time when, in English football at least, if someone got injured, the other team put the ball out. And then they got, you got a throw and you threw the ball back to the opposition. And Carnu didn't understand this because he'd come from another league. So when Lee Dixon threw the ball down the line to give it to Sheffield United, Carnu ran, got the ball, scored. And it finished 2-1 to Arsenal. And, um, the, the FA actually intervened and ordered a replay of the match because they didn't, you know, it was unsporting play. Now, Arsenal seem, you know, since Arsene Wenger has gone, they don't, you know, Mikel Arteta has made them into a ruthless winning machine. Not quite ruthless enough to win the league um, and not quite ruthless enough to keep their best goalkeeper rather than sell him to us for £3 million. Um, but they're ruthless enough to take advantage of that situation because you're not telling me that they don't know that Bassi's lying on the floor. If you want to know how bad a decision this is, Marek Rodak, I'm sure you saw this more clearly than I did. Right. Marek Rodak, one of the nicest, most placid people I've ever met, sprints from the, the dugout, literally the dugout, into the technical area, and it's like, how is that goal allowed to stand? Now, the absurdity of the rule is the referee then insists, having allowed the play to continue and not decided he's going to disallow the goal or or make any kind of... And he's booked silver as well at this right. point, seemingly for this. I don't. I assume Marco sort of said something. Well, in fact, I know he did, but I don't know what order. Um, but the rule now is Bassi was ordered off the field when we're trying to kick off by the referee, even though the referee didn't think it was a head injury. While he was, Then he orders him off, and we're on the attack, well, we had to play 90 seconds with 10 men. And if we'd have lost the ball, your centre-half is not in position. This is absurd. Teams are being... Because he was injured and he was pushed over by Saka. Now, I don't right. think Saka meant to injure him. I don't, genuinely. Uh, but it's just one of those ones where a bit of common sense needs to be applied. But these referees are British. And the British referees are comfortably the worst referees in the world. Com <laughs> com comfortably. Comfortably. Okay. Not even close. But like we're saying, Dan, it makes sense why Arsenal continue to play because that's what you're supposed to do. And we'll give them credit for the goal. We're just talking about what the uh, ref could have done in this situation. And he didn't do it. And this is uh, what ends up happening. But again, very good goal from Arsenal. Let's give them credit for that. But let's move on. I don't want to talk anymore about this. I'm still upset about by that. Let's unfortunately talk about the second yellow from Calvin Bassey, which gets him sent off, Dan. What are your thoughts about this? I mean, since he's been booked, it is a yellow card. It absolutely is. No doubt about it, right? And you actually, I think Bassey is walking off before the referee even. <laughs> somebody pointed out to me that Bassey starts walking, right? But the fact is, because he's been given the first yellow card ridiculously, that, that my, my immediate reaction was, I'm going to leave the ground because I'm going to walk home like Calvin Bassey is because, yeah. Um, and I was on my way out as Jao Polina scored the, uh, scored, scored the equaliser. So never write off Fulham, literally. No. That's, the, that's the impressive point about this. So, Absolutely. So, so the English rules mean that 
Um, Tim Ream's suspension will be served because <laughs> we've got a League Cup game. Right. And also, Bassey's suspension will be served because he'll be suspended for the League Cup game and the Manchester City match. So instead of missing two... But goodness knows what we're going to do. Uh, I presume Luke is going to have to come in. Uh, or or we, maybe we've bought a centre-back. I mean, we, I don't know anymore. You know... I don't know. Anyone, anyone who can play centre-back and has got a pair of boots should turn up at Craven Cottage. On, I'm a uh, fan of Luke's, by the way. I'm a big fan of Luke's after seeing him right in front of me. He's got a bright future. I'll just say that. But no, I, I don't want the... him to make his Premier League debut no. against Irving Haaland. If, no, if I, I, I don't want to see that either. I, I think that could actually do damage to his confidence. So I, I don't want to see that, but very good point by you, Dan. All right, coming up next... Dan and I are going to talk about Paulina's Equalizer, and I want to get Dan's man of the match. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus Serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. All right, Dan, let's talk about it. So you and I were talking about this, and I'm sure most Fulham supporters, if not all Fulham supporters, are thinking it's over. It's over. It's over. They're down a man. There's no way that they're going to get an equalizer. Thankfully, they didn't give up, and they create a corner, and lo and behold, Jao Polina gets the equalizer, Dan, and I know you had a very good view of this. Let's talk about the whole sequence leading up to the equalizer from Polina and then ending with his reaction because his reaction is priceless. Let's talk about the whole scenario dealing with Polina's equalizer. So I didn't have a very good view of this. As I said, I was on my way out, um, so I've had to watch it again. From watching it again, it's a wonderfully worked corner. I was, you know, Pereira, who's obviously the set pool, set piece specialist, is off the field. So, and I thought, well, if Palina's going to score, it's obviously going to be a header. You know, you're obviously going to whip. Uh, uh, and you're thinking when you get to a set play, but this is something Marco Silva works on set plays. Stuart Gray works on set plays. Antonio Limonakis works on set plays. They, they have several different ways of doing things. And normally... Is people like Tosin who do a sort of NBA blocking style thing. We've seen a bit of that, but you've only got ten players, and the corner everyone everyone thinks it's a terrible corner. It's the old Manchester United corner they used to do for Teddy Sheringham or Paul Scholes. Pull it back and have someone hit it, and it's just brilliantly executed. I'm not sure how good a connection Zhao gets on it, frankly, but it's good enough to go in the corner. And the best bit about Palina's reaction is he's learnt you don't hurdle the barrier and get a yellow card. <laughs> that's that's the you know I think he's actually referenced that in the um, in the Fulham FC TV interview that's just gone up 
but you'll remember at Nottingham Forest when he scored his first. Oh, goal, I remember, Dan. I he got remember. the yellow card and he got suspended. That's right. But I love the passion, obviously, and he's such a key player. And the good thing is, if we weren't asking for a hundred million pounds for Polina, we certainly are now. Oh, absolutely, Dan. I totally agree. We'll talk about man of the match in just a second, but uh, I was just, uh, I've been amazed by Paulina and uh, Paulina changes form. Dan, I said this in the lead up to this match. I, I did a a show with uh, an Arsenal website, and I basically said, support a website that he changes form. He makes form a different side, not just the goal, everything that he offers. We're a different team with him. So for him to be gone, it would be devastating. So for me, he is Fulham's most valuable player, not Alexander Mitrovic. It hurt that Mitro left, but if you're asking me out of the two, he's the one to go out of him and Paulinha because they cannot afford to lose Jao Paulinha. And I think you'll agree with me on that. Oh, look, if you lose Paulinha, I mean, I actually said to someone, if Paulinha wasn't starting, I was going to get on the uh, on the Piccadilly line and go home. <laughs> Um, literally, I was waiting. Oh, you know, uh, so but the thing about the just the element that I touched on having Polina in his natural position from the beginning, yep. it meant that we could see Sasha Lukic that's great in, in a more advanced forward role, dictating the play a little bit more. Um, and that's only going to be a benefit, you know. Lukic, I thought, was very good against Brentford, he's the only one who was, um, and he was excellent today against a much better side and through adversity. Um, and yeah, Polina clearly is the key pivot, the pivotal player um, for Fulham. He's the reason they finished 10th, even when uh, other people who are no longer here were here. Um, he, he, he's the main, he, he's the main man. And I still can't believe that he's actually a Fulham player and that we got him for, so little and that he's still, you know, and you can see he loves it. He absolutely loves it. That's the bottom line, Dan. I'm glad that you brought that up because all you have to do is watch his reaction and you realize he's a foam player and he wants to be a foam player. He wants to be a foam football club. He loves the club. It's pretty obvious. So just such good news for Fulham and, and us supporters. All right, Dan, let's talk about the end of the match and let's give Arsenal credit. They obviously put on the pressure and Fulham we're dealing with a lot, a lot of opportunities for Arsenal, but I don't want to focus on Arsenal. I want to focus on Fulham. I want to focus on the opportunity here from Triori. Now this came very quickly. And this to me, Adama Triori had a chance to put himself in Fulham history. If he scored this goal, then to win at the Emirates, it would have been unbelievable, but you know what? Still had this wonderful opportunity. Let's talk about this opportunity from Adama Traore at the end of the match. This is what Adama Traore has been brought in for. He's got ridiculous pace, like rapid pace. You know, Ben White sort of, compared to Adama Traore, Ben White should be in a retirement home. <laughs> he literally leaves him for dead. Um, and there's no getting back to it. And unfortunately, the quality of his finish doesn't match the pure pace that gets him into the position. But right. that is what people, that is what Wolves fans and Middlesbrough fans and people have said about Adama. Um, it is a good save because he's, he, 
he's stretching he prokes it pokes it pods prods it i'm not sure what he really did with it it's a good save from ramsdale gotta give him credit um and it's just unfortunate but what i'm encouraged by is that's troy right that's what troy Ray can do he's exactly. not match up yet he'll put those kind of chances away once he's match sharp hope we might see him on tuesday against against tottenham i hope we do because then he's ready to when that opportunity comes at the etihad he's ready to put it away isn't he i hope so dan i really do and i'm actually someone that has always liked him but he's almost like you were talking about he runs like no one that i've ever seen he is just incredible at all kinds of pace but it's his finishing and but I do think that he will finish. I think he does finish. It just isn't as often as you would like. All right, Dan. Let's end with talking about man of the match. Now, I think uh, there are some good candidates here. You've already mentioned Sasa Lukic. Diop is one that we've not really talked about. I think Diop had a very good game. We could also obviously talk about Paulinho, Baron Leno. There are many places to go. So give me your thoughts on man of the match. Yeah, you could name them all, or literally. And maybe, you know, Tete gets marked down for that moment of silliness, but he was excellent. Um, I thought Robinson could have used the ball a little bit better at times, um, but that's exceptionally harsh because he dealt with Saka reasonably well. I thought it's one of the hardest assignments for a left-back in, in, in the top flight in England, playing against Bukayo Saka in the kind of form that he's in. But you could go through the team and... No one's getting less than a seven, you know. Uh, but, the, you know, I, I was pleased as well for Bobby Dekodova Reed. He wore the captain's armband and it's a lovely touch. And, you know, he had a little moment where he he, uh, he almost scored at the start of the second half. There's not enough time to talk about that. Uh, but man of the match has to be Xiao, doesn't it? It absolutely does, Dan. But I'm glad that we're talking about everyone else because there are so many good performances here. What I watched was a foam side that reminded me of the team from last season. And that's why I had a feeling in my bones that we would get a reaction here. That's why I actually predicted one nil to Arsenal. That was my prediction. And I know many were thinking three, four nil that foam we're going to lose, but what is encouraging Dan before we go from this episode is they did this and we both know, and I'm sorry to do this, they need about five to six players. So if you add five to six players to a side we just saw draw with Arsenal, hell, my prediction might end up being true. I, know <laughs> I knew you were going to get it in. Well done. I man. have to get it in, Dan, I because I'm not giving up. I'm not giving up. But I'm going to need a lot of help, and that's going to come from Tony Khan, Alistair McIntosh, Shahid Khan, everyone at Fulham Football Club with the recruitment side to get these players in. Because how could you not watch that and see the effort that was given and saying, give Marco Silva the help that he needs to take Fulham from here to here. He just needs the players to do it. So that to me, I hope, gave them a little more kick in the behind or kick in the butt to get these players in to Fulham Football Club because, Dan, I think right now Fulham are a good side. They have a chance to be a very good side if they get reinforcements before this window closes. That's how I'm going to end this show. 
Yeah, you're spot on, mate. Okay, very good. All right. Well, before we wrap this up, I do want to mention, if you are listening to this episode of Cottage Talk, please do check out Dan on hamian.com, but also on the Green Pole Podcast because they're going to be doing their own post-match show. Dan will be with Alan Druitt Jr. and, and Alan's son, correct, Dan? Yes, yeah, well, I believe so. I've got to, I've got to check in because I've got, we've got about <laughs> five minutes until recording. So okay, well, that's my cue to wrap this up, Dan. Before we go, final thoughts, and then then we will wrap it up. Well, it's nice to you know we're on four points, and I think everyone would have taken four points from the first three games. Now, now we've just got to try and figure out a way of beating Spurs and beating Manchester City. But we'll talk about that next time. We will, Dan. And let me ask you this before I let you go. I've got a bonus question. Would you have rather us get the point against Brentford or Arsenal? Oh, always against Brentford. But I'm not, you know, <laughs> I'm still angry about that. Um, but look, I'll take, we have to get to 40 points and then we have to get to 50 points and 60 points. I'll take the points wherever they come. Okay. And oh. this is an extra, this is an extra point. Absolutely, absolutely, Dan. So we absolutely. Celebrate that. We absolutely should. This is like a victory. I know it's only a point, but this is so encouraging. And like I said, and I'll end the show one last time, please get the players Marco needs. I have to keep saying it. I'm going to keep saying it until they bring the players in. Please get these players into Marco Silva so Fulham can have the type of season that I want them to have, that we all want them to have. They deserve it. I'm talking about the players. Marco deserves it. Boa, the entire staff deserve it. Us supporters deserve it as well. That's how I'm going to end the show. Okay. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of College Talk. As always, please do subscribe on YouTube and Apple Podcasts. Please do check out Dan on Hamian.com and on the Green Pole Podcast. Well, that's going to do it for this episode. My name is Russ Goldman. Thank you as always for watching and listening to College Talk, part of the Talk Sport Fan Network. It's the 90th minute. And all to play for at the end of the match. All your mates are around. You've got your McDougat share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping. And you steal the last nugget. Snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? I know I'm in. At participating restaurants. 18 plus. Serving times. Delivery fee and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.